Hi, and welcome to School of Hustle. I'm your host, Sarah, and this is the show where we chat with everyday entrepreneurs about everything that goes into starting a new venture. Today's guest is known for pushing the limits of physical fitness. Olivia Young is a culinary trained, former hospitality brand director and wellness entrepreneur. And she is also the founder of Box and Flow, a boxing and yoga fusion studio that is the first of its kind. Her classes teach you to dig deeper and search inward to find your fight and flow. And her goal is to help you promote balance in your life through effort and ease and to love yourself. Welcome to the show, Olivia. It's great to have you here. Thank you so much for coming to my studio. This is by far the most beautiful fitness studio I have ever seen. Total labor of love. And I can tell because you can see how much thought was put into every detail. I mean, I, I walked in here and I said to myself, I feel like I'm in a music video. Like it makes me want to work out. You feel the energy the moment you enter this space. Could you tell me a little bit about your story and how we ended up here? So I started Box and Flow in November 2016 um, with uh, passion and absolutely no idea what I was doing. I had <laughs> like never most entrepreneurs. literally, but even to like the nth degree, I had never taught a class before. I uh, had been practicing yoga since I was 15 and started boxing when I was 20. And I found that the duality of energies that both of those modalities gave me, mm -hmm. you know, really um, created balance within. So boxing gave me strength and confidence and yoga forced me to slow down and really feel. And I think that those skill sets combined created um, this, this ability to be my best self every day. So yeah. I moved to New York after college to attend culinary school and then uh, worked at Food & Wine Magazine and became brand director for the Altamare Group, which is a global hospitality company with 18 restaurants around the world. Wow. So, you know, during the day I was dressed like this, you know, <laughs> Uh, working with celebrity chefs and managing this global hospitality group. But like in the morning prior, I looked like a complete mess in like trash bags and baseball t-shirts at Church Street Boxing Gym in Tribeca fighting oh, wow. boxing and then uh, followed by yoga. So I, those, those workouts, that fitness, uh, wellness, that therapy gave me the power I needed to run a team at 23 and manage this global hospitality group. So, That's incredible. Um, and then I decided, or I knew deep down in my gut that I was an entrepreneur. I believe you're born an entrepreneur. How do you... Well, first off, I want to say it seems like you practice what you preach, right? Yes. So you... I heard you wake up at 5 a.m. every day, which is... <laughs> Wow. I mean, I can barely work, wake up at like nine. I'm not I mean, a morning person. Now in this day and age, I'm like a 535 person. Oh, 530, that's so late, Olivia. Know, wow. How can you live with yourself? I, know. I, I was guilty about it for a second, but I'm okay now. Um, yeah, I do. I, I, I think that it, to me, it's this idea of like work hard, live young. I was yeah. born with this name, Olivia Young, live and like young. sort of live young. Like, but to live young to me means to love yourself, mm -hmm. and to love yourself, you really have to put in the hard work to get to know yourself. Mm -hmm. So um, there's effort and ease, as you say, it's similar to this class. There's effort and ease, mm -hmm. but to wake up and feel embodied, to really connect to yourself, and to um, fuel yourself to create the life that you want to live. So I don't have an alarm clock. My body wakes up that oh. early. So it's really about like using your intuition mm -hmm. and I say flow through the fight. Like 
really find ease through resistance to, you know, move forward as opposed to getting stuck in your way and your habits that aren't challenging you, aren't fulfilling you, be it like the the way that you move, the people you surround yourself, the work that you do. Um, if it's not fueling your life, you're just filling your time. Yeah, it's just wasting your time. Completely. So you embody the spirit of uh, fight and flow. You have a really relaxed, laid back side, but you also have a very driven entrepreneurial side. And how do those things come together and make you decide, I'm going to start this type of boxing yoga studio that's never been done before by the way no one's done this it makes so much sense to me as a former gymnast who understands that um there's two sides of working out you know you have to be the aggressive side but you also have to have that that wellness mentality mm -hmm. and um what made you decide to start box and flow so basically again it was like it was my practice every day since i was 15 yoga and then boxing was the fire part. Mm -hmm. And it was what I was doing to channel this inner fire and then this like needed calm. Like I needed to find my softness, but I also needed to channel my fire and find a way to get that aggression and ad adrenaline out. Mm -hmm. And after working in hospitality for seven years and in this hustle city called New York, <laughs> but really in the world, you know, there's no. energy everywhere. Yeah. I. I knew I needed to create something. I didn't know what it was. Yeah. I never thought about starting a fitness business or even teaching a class, even though I had done my yoga teacher training and I had, again, embodied this like fitness alter ego. But So why do the yoga uh, teacher training if you weren't sure you wanted to teach a class? There was something in me that was searching for a depth of meaning. It's like you're, you knew inside, but you couldn't put words to it. Totally. Like and you're on yeah. this path, like you said, uh, I believe that entrepreneurs are born. And it was almost like you were already on that path and, and you didn't really see where it was gonna go, but clearly we've ended up here in your amazing studio. Yes, and then with that said though, I fought myself to open it and start this concept because you know, it, it, it didn't make sense to anybody really but me <laughs> because it hadn't existed before and, right. and I, didn't have the background of being a fitness, you know, influencer. I didn't have a following. I'd never taught a class. Wow. When you asked, you know, what, you know, made you do this, I was feeling some sort of way every day. And the way that I was feeling was empowered, mm -hmm. but grounded. Mm -hmm. And I believe that as humans, you know, we, we live in such extremes. But to really find that inner focus, you have to feel your fire, but also like understand and embrace your calm. Mm -hmm. Both sides of a coin. So knowing that I was doing these physical practices that to me are much more mental than physical, yeah. even though they're incredibly exertive, I was doing them every day and I, it hit me. I was like, I wanna give humanity the feeling that I'm feeling every day. This is my purpose. My purpose is to be able to lead people through an experience to feel their strength and recognize their softness. Because at the end of the day, and I've learned this more and more as I've managed my business, mm -hmm. softness is our strength. You're right. So that's what I'm here for. Tell me about the process of starting the business. Now, anyone that started a business, anyone that is looking to start a business knows there's a lot involved with that. It's not just the idea. Mm -mm. Uh, funding is a big part of that. Yes. So you taught your first class. Clearly that impacted you to want to start the actual classes you do now. You didn't start in this location. No. So what was the process of getting that first location um, and 
actually getting people to go to it. April 2016, I was ready. I quit my job. I opened a bank account. June 2016, it made so two months later, yeah. I taught my first class. Okay. I was scared. Ah, yeah. all the things. And this was your first class not in your own studio. Ever, and the only class I taught before I opened a space. <laughs> to like my brother and my, like my, I don't know, friend, two friends. But, some, but I think a lot of your journey is like you were born to, this is the path you were born to do. And it's clear that it worked, right? Like yeah. you have been successful doing this. You opened your first gym. Yes. How'd you get the funding for that? You quit your job. So you, I'm assuming you saved some money. Again, like I, you know, I, Feel like I was born an entrepreneur. I come from an entrepreneurial family. Okay. As I was brand director of this hospitality company, mm -hmm. I was bored, as you know, typical Most entrepreneur. entrepreneurs are. Right. Um, and I ran a consultancy as a side hustle. Okay. And I was representing other chefs and other food brands. Okay. Without knowing it, I was literally growing a nest egg to fund my own business. Nice. I funded my own business, my first space that does not, did not look like this. <laughs> More of a dungeon. It's a, a <laughs> you know, it's a stepping stone. You, totally. You, you start, started from the bottom, now we're here. Yeah. Drake said it. <laughs> and he was right. And with that, yeah. it was such a rite of passage because it was the greatest commitment I ever made was signing a lease, painting the walls, like hanging bags up and saying, I am here. And it was, and it was a feeling. You felt the grit in the walls. You mm -hmm. felt the love, blood, sweat, tears, all of it was real. Um, and it was, it was something that it's hard to even put into words, but it changed my life and it changed lives. And yeah. that was the goal of it. And it was also the space that I ran to at 5 a.m. when the heat didn't work or there was a snowstorm wow. and I had to, you know, figure it out and shovel the stoop before people came. And and people loved it for that. And it was also ironic that the time that I opened was the same that major competitors opened right. with millions and millions of dollars of funding. My wow. business, my studio cost less than $150,000 to open. Wow, that's um, incredible. Which is like true bootstrap, yeah. yeah, startup, yeah, yeah. rickety bathroom door, all the complaints. And it wasn't about the facade of it, it was about the feeling of yeah. it. So how did you attract your first customers? Had a friend set out a press release. I couldn't, you know, I didn't have a budget for PR. <laughs> yeah. I played with social media. So was your friend media. in PR? Yeah, she That's was in great. PR. It's always good to utilize a network around you. And I found that I couldn't understand why people were showing up for me. And I, I called my mom, I was like, I don't, you know, they want to give me this, they, they, they're calling, like people are coming. And she goes, Olivia, you have been showing up for people for the last seven, 10 years of your life, just giving, now it's your time to receive. Wow. And I don't know why that was something that I never thought of and I'll never forget because it was like, holy shit, like right. it's my time to receive. I received and I was able to open the first studio. People came, they came back. Was it challenging? Yes. Yeah. And it Were never, you the only person that was working at that time? It was me and then I hired a desk manager who was also one of my instructors. I was very clear okay. that I needed to get and train a staff because I didn't want to be the only teacher Yeah. because then the whole business would ride on me Right. and I wanted to... I wanted it, I want it to be able to grow beyond me because right. my dream and purpose in this business, in these four walls, is to be able to lead, to coach, to speak, to guide outside of a black leotard in a boxing mm -hmm. space. Mm -hmm. 
And I want this to be able to replicate in every city, in small towns, where people can practice this idea of flow through the fight, face themselves. And I can't be in all of those places. Yeah, because no, it's this true. Is, it's the only way to make it scalable. Yeah, and, and this is something that is for everybody, every size, every shape, every color. I wanted to make the price point approachable mm -hmm. in a way that was almost a detriment in some ways to my business in this hyper-competitive, expensive market that is boutique fitness in New York City. Right. So how do you keep track of all of that? Finance is one of the main things that makes sure that you can run the business long term. Um, a lot of people aren't great at finance. What do you do to keep track of it? Um, do you have certain resources you, you use, certain methods you use? Um, I have an accountant. Mm, yeah. I have my mother in Miami <laughs> Beach, Florida. <laughs> but, well, like, send me an email and, like, you know, I'll get an insurance bill and, like, forward it to her. And I'm like, Mom, what, what is, is this, this for? <laughs> I mean, she's, like, the bookkeeper. Uh, and then I had um, somebody who was worked with me in, in years past who was <laughs> very kind. I've hired consultants. Good. The business wasn't big enough when I started to really have a proper CFO. Mm -hmm. As I've transitioned to bigger space, that was my first hire, COO sort of role. Um, as I've grown and evolved and now in this space, actually entering into a licensing franchising model. So cool. that's been super interesting, as we said, like the scalability factor yeah. to create something that can be, you know, for everybody, like where everybody is in, in multiple locations without me being the sole operator going to these places or being in the real estate business. Because right. again, my purpose is to teach, to speak, to lead. It was always frontward facing. Sounds like you too. Yeah, yeah. So the behind the scenes stuff, in all actuality, is what creates business. Makes sure this, that yeah. it stays in It's business. an operational business. Yeah, yeah. It sounds like a, a similar path to what I took, which is, you know, you started out doing it all yourself, but as soon as you could hire someone to fill in those gaps that maybe you're not an expert in, uh, you did that. I mean, I think the way that businesses thrive, especially first as an entrepreneur, you have to really know your strengths, but own your weaknesses yeah. because you're not good at everything even though you can pull it off because you have grit. If you're right. an entrepreneur, you can figure things out. You can't figure finance out. I mean, high-level finance, you I mean, can't. I can't figure finance Me. out. <laughs> so really learning to delegate is like, I think the best skill you can acquire. Yeah. At first, you want to covet everything because it's yours. And you don't want anyone to ruin it. That's no. the thing, like giving away the control can totally. be very scary. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about your experience growing? Because giving away control is part of growing. I, I don't know that, I think it's also just like word choice, like giving away is extreme. Mm -hmm. It's really recognizing what you can versus yeah. what you can't. Yeah. And I think if you want a semblance of a normal life, as an entrepreneur, you, you will not have a normal life. Yes. And this becomes your life in many ways. And you have to, you know, embrace that. But. Um, I would say, you know, really understanding what you need yeah, and really owning what you have. I know what I'm good at and I know even more what I'm not. And it was finding people and tools to, you know, fill the gaps, mm -hmm. fill the holes to make me feel whole. And at what point do you think is a good time to do that? So different for everybody yeah. because it's not even a time thing, it's like a personal thing. It's again, like face yourself to free yourself. Is it kind of like at the point where you can't handle any more work 
that's when you start to give it away. I mean, day one, I knew I wasn't good at finance. Yeah, yeah. So, like, outsourcing that in some way would bring, you know, solace to my sleep. Right. Because otherwise, like, I never looked at the numbers. And if you don't look at the numbers, you don't even know what the business is. Yeah, yeah. You know? So I, I think it's more so, like, what do you need? What do you have? Start there. That's great. Through talking to you, it's very clear that you have a lot of passion behind every single decision you make. I mean, you just look around your space, everything's extremely well thought out. Uh, You share a lot of stories with your customers. And you have a blog called Live Young, which you share recipes and personal stories and all types of um, just more personal content than you would with Box & Flow. Why start a blog? That can be a lot of work, and you're already doing all of this. The blog, to me, is the actual embodiment of everything I teach. It's the mindset behind all of these mantras. It's the why. Mm-hmm. You are how you see yourself. Yeah. So for me, I find to be like fluid and fluent and to be able to relate to others and for others to relate to me, Mm -hmm. it's, again, well beyond these four walls. Yeah. So you opened your first location in 2016, and you opened this location in 2020. Yes. Now, this location is much larger. It's absolutely stunningly beautiful. I didn't see your your last location, but just based on the description you gave, I I think this was a serious upgrade. Totally. Um, this required a lot more funding, I'm assuming. How do you fund something like that? I took on a financial partner who was somebody I had worked with in the past um, as my old boss who came to me. He said, I have this space. He had followed my journey. He was always a mentor. And it was like a dream that somebody came to me and was like, That's a- let's go. Yeah. Uh, and so here we are. I opened this space three weeks before shutdown, so barely touched. And, you know, when COVID hit, I transitioned everything online. Yeah. Tell me about that transition, because you've been doing some really great things. Um, As someone who owns a tour company in New York, I've had to switch to live YouTube tours. Mm. Um, You've been doing on-demand classes and live classes, I believe. Yes, both. Um, Similar to what everybody else has had to do. Mm -hmm. You have, I mean, or not have to make a choice to create some sort of continued connection with um, your community through all of this chaos. Mm-hmm. And it hasn't been easy, but to be honest, it hasn't been that hard. So you just transition online. Is it ideal? No. Is it the same you know, revenue I would be making with two studios, one studio? No, but um, it's keeping a flame alive that could easily dim and then die. Yeah. And you have to, this is survival mode for all entrepreneurs. Mm -hmm. And what you're doing is a survival tactic. So the classes you offer when, on your site it says on demand, does that mean they're all pre-recorded and you can buy like a pack? So there's like a live membership, which is classes every day with multiple different teachers. And then there's on demand as a supplement that you could on demand watch a pre-recorded class. Okay. So both. So the on-demand classes, um, you obviously had to put together the whole production element of that. Yes. Did you have experience in that? No, we used a a third party that specializes in this. Okay, so you went out and you hired someone to help you produce the content, to edit it. It's the same with like knowing what you have and knowing what you don't. (laughs) Yeah. Like that would have been a complete 
I, I would have been chasing my tail. Yeah, that that's a big learning curve. Yes, yeah. I, I have no interest in learning that. Yeah, and well, you know, like it's just get it done. Exactly. And that's the thing, like you have to get it done, give as many options to your students as you can during this hard time. So they have the on-demand option now, they also have the live classes. Um, how do you market both of these? Previously, your marketing tactics were all for in-person. Has it shifted? Social media. Uh, the same with using a third party. They you know, also do heavy marketing, mm -hmm. um, word of mouth, teachers that are teaching that also use their own social market, uh, media, the already built-in community that you know, hopefully can be inspired to still keep moving through all of this. Yeah. And just like really keeping hope. You know, I think as cheesy as it sounds, the way that this business started, as I said, a complete labor of love. Mm -hmm. And I think people can feel the authenticity, they can feel the energy and the passion, and they're they open to it if they're open. Mm -hmm. And um, is that the only way? No. If I had a bigger budget, I would spend way more market like money on marketing. And right. so many other businesses have done you know, their entire business is marketing. Right. I mean, there are many businesses just dedicated to marketing. Yeah, and then those, my question becomes, how sustainable is that once the flame, you know, dims a bit? Because if you don't lock people in for the actual, like, workout or, you know, what it really is, the crux of it, mm -hmm. then all of it is, like, again, a lot of, social, like, smoke and mirrors, which is fabulous right out the gate, but, like, how do you keep people inspired? Yes. Well, I want to take a class here once this opens again. I mean, I've never felt like I want to work out when I enter a gym, but this gym just looks really fun. Just everything about it. I love how you chose the lighting. Uh, if you could talk to me about the design here, because this is unlike any other gym someone yeah. walks in. So I know that you have a lot of meaning behind everything you do. So let's start as someone that's walking through the door and walk me through your, your uh, interior design process and how that might impact someone's psychology that is coming here to work out. So, I mean, the front door, you walk in, the front desk, there's a greeting, there's a welcome, and you, you know, you're shuffled straight into this place where, in all actuality, it's like a personal hell. You know, there's <laughs> red lights, there's darkness, there's no distraction. There, before COVID, the, the class was built on two people on one bag, which creates 40 people in the room. Mm. Because, you know, once you're faced someone else on the other side, there's an accountability factor you might not all, like always hold for yourself. Yeah. And there's parts of the class that go into speed and power rounds and someone's holding the bag and you're going as fast as you can and then as hard as you can. But again, there's somebody on the other side, like, I got you, we got this, we're good, we're here, we're gotcha. here together. Okay. It's energy, yeah, right? Yeah. Um, after the nine rounds of like nonstop to like super intense music, so uh -huh. everything's beat driven. So hip hop, rock, like Nirvana, DMX, High energy music. Exactly. Like it makes little you want easy. And then like there's three parts of the class that I said are the intervals where somebody is holding for you and you're switching back and forth. That's when the lights get really intense, the music gets really loud, and you're like in the heat of it. Mm -hmm. And then it comes down, goes up, comes it, it keeps you engaged. Yeah. And then the music breaks to instrumental. Like so I'm, it's very much about the music too. Yes. Do you have a soundtrack for these classes? Totally. Wow. It's so box and flow when I started the, it was inspiration and empowerment through energy, breath, movement, and music. Cool. Nothing about boxing or yoga. So the, the soundtrack, the playlist, is it starts with the warm-up, it goes into shadow box, then there's an instrumental, like think of the, the 
the game like Halo, like yeah, yeah. almost so you and then it's you're like a journey. It's a personal exactly. journey, or like a Star Wars song, yeah. and you're like setting your intention. You're finding groundness and stillness. You pop up and then you don't stop moving for nine rounds on the bag. Crazy intense music. Then gloves come off, wraps come off. You find yourself on your mat.、Uh-huh. The music changes again to like this instrumental. Wow! And then you feel your breath. And so the last 15 minutes is a vinyasa flow where you open everything up. So again, it's the juxtaposition of like this, then this, and then you end in stillness, silence, and darkness. Wow! What's the hardest part about starting a business? Getting out of your own way. Yeah. And in, and understanding and acknowledging and even embracing the fact that、uh, it's never going to be perfect.、Mm-hmm. Perfect doesn't exist. And being okay with Ex- being exactly where you are, knowing what you know, embracing what you don't, and just starting. Yeah, just starting. Just starting. Just starting. This is the theme throughout this show. Just do it. Yeah, like、just、literally, do it. Flow through the fight. Learn as you go. You know, take on challenge and resistance with ease.、Mm-hmm. Do not get stuck. Everything you need is inside. You have the answers. You have the tools. And those that you don't, they're not yours. To figure out, outsource. All right, Google it, YouTube, hire someone. Totally, but and then at the end of the day, I think the biggest thing really for me is always trusting your intuition.、Mm-hmm. You want to hire somebody, you want to fire somebody, you know what is best for you and your business and your well-being. They could be the best at their job, but give you so much.、Um, Discomfort, yeah, just in presence in the same room that you know in your heart that it's not the way forward. Right, it's cut it yeah, out. Hiring people can be one of the biggest challenges, and firing people because you don't want to put people out. You feel bad. You feel responsible. I think I had to learn that as an entrepreneur and as a boss that I'm also, I can't also be a friend. Yeah, because once you create. Like blurred lines, I, lines are blurred. I agree. It's uncomfortable. I've no. You need proper boundaries, and you also need to be seen as the boss. Yeah, it's just being a good boss. That's all you need. Yeah. So let's close this interview with、uh, a piece of advice for aspiring entrepreneurs. In a life filled with so much noise, be your own quiet.、Mm-hmm. It's never going to be as planned.、Mm-hmm. But for you to be your best self, you have to understand that.、Um, You're worthy of success, but you have to find a way to limit the distraction and the noise telling you otherwise. Yeah. So coming back to trusting yourself, recognizing what you have, not what you don't, and not getting stuck along the way. The amount of times that I wanted to throw my hands up and throw the towel in before I started, <laughs> while I started, and probably well after, you know, I start my next thing. But you know, ultimately. You're your your greatest, you know, champion and your harshest critic, and it's really finding that balance within to recognize the strength, own your softness, and keep moving forward. Perfectly said. I completely agree, and I'm so inspired. So thank, thank you. you. I hope everyone out there、uh, got a lot of great advice from Olivia. Thank you for everyone that joined us, and thanks for everyone that tuned in today. If you want to learn more about Box and Flow, visit boxandflow.com or follow them on Instagram at boxandflow, or you can follow Olivia at liveyoung. And that is all for this episode of School of Hustle. Keep up with all of our episodes on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you stream and download podcasts. 
And if you like what you heard today, please consider leaving a review, share it with your friends, and subscribe to our show. We will see you next time. Bye. When the low, yeah, we going high.